I have no idea if or when you are listening to this. If I was selling something, if I had to pay to put this in front of you, that's a real challenge. Because direct marketing is the idea that you pay your money, but you don't take your chances. Because you know exactly when someone turns around and pays you. Hey, it's Seth. And this is Akimbo. In March 2020, I did a Zoom call with my team about how we were going to spend time and money promoting and advertising the Akimbo workshops. I decided it would be fun to record that 15-minute rant that started our conversation. And so, here it is. We'll be back in a second with more about how Google is walking away from direct advertising. But first, here's an unmeasurable, untrackable ad from our sponsor. It's back. The Real Skills Conference is back. An actual conference. You don't have to get on a plane, but you do need to interact face-to-face online from wherever you are. Two hours of interaction on your toes with real people talking about the things that matter, the skills that help us make a difference. Akimbo is back running it again. To find out more, visit akimbo.com go for all the details. The people you meet will change your life. Okay, hi all. Um, I'm recording this just so you know I'll turn off the recording or edit things out later. So here's where that begins. Uh, in 1998, when Yahoo bought my company, which was a direct marketing company, the company that invented direct marketing on the internet, my new boss sat me down and he said, so what's direct marketing? And that's how I knew I was in trouble. So what is direct marketing? Direct marketing is action marketing, named by Lester Wonderman. Direct marketing is measured, and it is about an engagement directly between the person who bought the ad and the person who saw the ad. You can measure it, and you can profit from it. Lester was the pioneer of direct marketing. He helped invent it. He invented the Columbia Record Club and saved the American Express card. And the idea of direct marketing, which we're going to start calling something else in a minute, is that because you can measure it and because it translates into revenue, you can do an infinite amount of it really fast. Because if you spend a dollar to interrupt somebody and you make $2, now you can do it again. So it shouldn't be called direct marketing. It should be called direct advertising because marketing around here means something else. Marketing is the change we make in the world by telling true stories and helping people get where they want to go. Advertising is spending money appropriately to bring a message to someone who hadn't heard it before or who needs to hear it again so they take some sort of action or change their mind about something. Now, what does this have to do with the fork in the road for Akimbo? Google had a breakthrough. By accident, it wasn't part of their business plan, which was that for a nickel, you could buy a click and they would measure and make it easy for you to see how that nickel paid off. So what happened was people started buying keywords on Google for lots and lots of products and services for a nickel a click. And then 
because marketers are narcissists, people started Googling themselves. And when they Googled themselves, they saw that someone was buying their keyword for a nickel. So if you're a Home Depot and you see that Lowe's is buying your keyword for a nickel, this cannot stand. So you started buying it for a dime and a race was on. And so Google grew with zero sales force. And if anyone tells you that they were the key salesperson behind Google, they're lying because Google didn't have a key salesperson. No sales calls were necessary. All that happened was an auction took place to buy clicks, which were measured for the keywords that mattered to you. And that's how Google became a huge multi, multi-billion dollar company. Almost all of their revenue still to this day comes from that simple auction. If we do the math of the auction, there's a challenge and the challenge is this. If it's worth a dollar a click for you to buy clicks and it's worth a dollar a click for your competitor to buy clicks, it's worth a dollar because it means your profit's gonna be a buck. For 90 cents, you should buy the click. You get to keep 10 cents, you're still ahead. But if there's an auction, all of a sudden, guess who's keeping almost every penny of value? Google or Facebook. Because people are competing for the keyword and all the value like a landlord goes to the person who owns the real estate, not to the company that's buying it, right? So far so good, it's all making sense? Now the thing about direct advertising is almost none of the billions of dollars that are spent every year by marketers has traditionally been earmarked for direct advertising. It's been earmarked for brand advertising. Brand advertising are billboards, sponsorships, magazine ads, TV ads, radio ads, because we can't measure action. It is not action marketing, it is unmeasured, and it's based on a completely different way of looking at the world. So when I had my first job at 23, my company spent millions and millions of dollars on advertising, and we couldn't measure any of it. Not only couldn't you measure any of it, it took months and months, maybe a year, to go from, I have an idea for an ad, to the ad is running. And you could only run a couple ads. You couldn't run 1,000 or 10,000 different kinds of ads. It was just logistically impossible. It also didn't make sense because frequency is so powerful. Frequency says that the first time someone sees an ad, it has almost no impact on them. There are a few people it does, but almost none. And so you have to run the same ad three times, nine times, Jay Levinson says 27 times against one person before it starts to sink in. So what does this all mean? It means a couple of things. First of all, advertising has always been a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot because it's human nature and no one knows exactly what's working. That direct advertising has been a bit of a race to the bottom because you get rewarded for something that works like this. So flat belly diet, three words. It doesn't have a lot of nuance to it, but enough people clicked on it that they could run the ad again. So it's really rare that important work gets done by direct advertisers. It's really rare that you're able to come up with an ad that pays for itself that you can run again and again and again that you're proud of. There are a couple exceptions, right? That uh, I think if we look at how the mattress or the shaving business has been turned upside down, it's been turned upside down because 
they had 50 million of venture capital to spend, but they also figured out how to optimize for this direct response. Okay, but we need to talk about this now for two reasons. First of all, because Akimbo doesn't build workshops that are optimized for direct response advertising. It's not a late night infomercial. Oh, one more thing, you get a potato peeler. And so we're never gonna have the yield that lets us buy the YouTube ads or the Facebook ads or the Google ads the way somebody who wants to sell you the Lamborghinis in their garage can. Because we're not appealing to the kind of person that clicks and buys right away. But the second thing, and this is current events, is that in February, Google shifted gears and said, you know how we've been helping people track behavior for years and years, misusing the cookie, which was originally invented just as a convenience to, so you didn't have to type your password in every time. All this shared information about people tracking allocation of interest and attributions and all this stuff, we're not gonna do that anymore. Now, Google is not known for being unevil. Why would Google even do this? Why would they push to undo all of the direct marketing that they have been pushing for for years? Well, the reason is this. Now that the landlord has taken all the money from the direct marketing auction, they are discovering that lots and lots of people who would have been advertisers, like General Foods, General Mills, General Electric, all the generals, they can't be direct marketers, right? Neither can Mr. Coffee, Mr. Peanut, or Mrs. Butterworth. It just doesn't work because you can't measure how many people bought syrup because they saw an ad on the internet. So by blowing it up, now that they've destroyed radio and television and newspapers, they're basically saying to the advertisers who are used to spending advertising money without knowing what's gonna work, guess what? Google lets you run advertising without knowing what's gonna work. Okay, small little aside, because I'm working here without notes, is uh, when I was at Yahoo, the homepage of Yahoo was sold out for a year in advance, the banner on the homepage. Now, the banner on the homepage of Yahoo was the worst place to run an ad on the entire internet because you got everyone. Instead of paying for specifics, you were paying a premium for general. You were paying a premium to reach the unwashed masses, unmeasured, unknown. And most of the time, when Yahoo sold an ad to somebody in 1999, they didn't want the click-through data. They didn't want to know how many people clicked on the ad because if Yahoo told them, they would have to tell their boss and they would have to say to their boss, the ad didn't work that well. And then they would get in trouble. So instead Yahoo sold the story of, you want to be on the homepage of the internet? Because we're the internet, our homepage is usually sold out. You can have it for a million dollars. And so I'm guessing a million dollars a day, they were selling a piece of real estate that was worthless except it gave you a story, a story to put in a press release and a story to tell your boss, which is we're the sponsor of the internet today. Everyone, quick, go look at Yahoo, we're, that's us. So now, as we grow akimbo, as we seek to cross the chasm, we have a challenge. And the challenge is, we're not direct marketers, right? They're gonna, there's my direct marketing hall of fame prize right behind me. They're gonna kick us out of the direct marketing hall of fame because we're not optimized as direct marketers because we're proud 
of making something doesn't sell very well by the click. But we also know that we want to get the word out to people who weren't necessarily paying attention to a subtle blog post, who weren't necessarily looking last week for the kind of change that we make. So we need to be in the world, and we are willing to have a budget to be in the world to tell our story. But the conversation, the challenge going forward is, how do you do that when you're not using the metrics of the internet? Because if you just say, oh, we're going to sponsor 10,000 podcasts, how much does that cost? How do you decide? Is it better to sponsor 10,000 podcasts or is it better to sponsor Facebook or Google or put the money somewhere else? And without measurement, it's really hard to do. And so the last part of my rant, and then I'll turn off this recorder and we can have a conversation. Last part of my rant is that what marketers have been doing since 1920 since Scientific Advertising, which is a great book, came out, is come up with approximate ways to measure. Some of them are expensive in which you do panels and you say to the people around the table, uh, name a brand of granola. And someone says, oh, Vermont granola, that's my favorite kind. And, but most people have never heard of Vermont granola. And then you run a whole bunch of billboards all throughout town. And then you have another panel a month later and you say, name a brand of granola. And some people say Vermont granola and you get a promotion because this really, really poor research technique has perhaps validated that your billboards worked. Of course, it doesn't tell us anything because it might be they heard about it from someone else. It might be that hearing about Vermont granola is totally different than buying Vermont granola and on and on and on. So, the short answer is we are back to the maelstrom of nobody knows anything. And we have to beware of really time-consuming and expensive processes that include 40-page brand Bibles that are not a suitable replacement for, that's a damn good ad. That really spoke to me. I heard you. It was in the right place at the right time with the right message for me. And that is still a human act. It is nothing that we can measure or test for. It is simply the work of a creative who said, I have something to say, knock, knock, who's there? That um, when Mary Wells Lawrence, the great advertising executive, figured out how to double the sales of Alka-Seltzer, she didn't do it with research and she didn't do it with testing. She did it by realizing that if the jingle was plop, plop, fizz, fizz, people would take two Alka-Seltzer when they got sick instead of one. And it's rare to find creative genius in advertising, but the shift that Google is making is requiring that it's going to come back because it's all we got. All right, I'm turning the cord off. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, let your aching head and stomach hear this message from old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. We'll be back with answers to questions from previous episodes. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. When is it time to level up? When is it time to learn a new way to see the world, to connect with others, to lead, to engage in possibility? Akimbo is a B Corp, an independently owned and operated institution designed around learning, not education, not certificates, not grades, but learning together. 
It works if you do the work. I hope you'll check out what the people at Akimbo are up to. Visit akimbo.com slash go to find out about their new upcoming workshops and how it all works. Thanks. Hey, Seth. It's Maria. Hey, Seth. My name's Kyle. Greetings, Seth. This is Stephen out in Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Seth. Alicia from Charleston here. Hi, Seth. This is Anupam. Hi, this is Caitlin. Hi, Seth. Warm greetings from Curacao. Hey, Seth. My name is Nick Ryan from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Seth. This is Rex. Hey, Seth. Hi, this is Vasilis from Greece. Hi, this is Roberta Perry. My question is... And that completes my question. As you know, I do love to hear from you. If you've got a question about this or any previous episode, I hope you'll visit akimbo.link, that's A-K-I-M-B-O dot L-I-N-K, and click the appropriate button. A couple questions to get us started talking about monarchy and democracy. Hi, Seth. This is Nico from Berlin, Germany. I have a question regarding your episode about monarchy. I have a small family-owned business, and basically I'm the monarch in our company. So whatever I think of or dream of will be done. And I have the feeling that my employees um, are very happy with this uh, situation in that they are used to being in a company with a monarch who decides. Now, I want to change this. And I'm wondering if you have any ideas on how to change this culture, change the expectation of my employees to not have me deciding everything or also challenging um, my decisions. Thank you, Seth. Thanks for this, Nico. Yes, you got the point of what I was trying to get at, which is the person who signed up to work in your small organization probably signed up because they were looking for a monarch. That doesn't mean they didn't want to be heard. doesn't mean they don't want dignity, a chance to contribute. But there's a reason that some people start businesses, and there's a reason that some people have chosen not to. And when you say to the team, I am not going to do X, Y, or Z, that causes stress. Stress isn't always a bad thing, but stress is real. And the stress has to do with how big a map are you expecting me to draw? Because many people have been brainwashed from a young age to only want to press the button on the French fry machine, to have the smallest possible map for them to draw. Other people do things like become a nurse, because within the realm of the patient-nurse relationship, there's an enormous amount of latitude for a well-respected nurse in the right working environment to make a huge difference. Because no, they're not simply going through the manual. They're spending time being a human with other humans. But there's a big difference between, say, being a nurse and being appointed head of the entire healthcare operation. Different size map, different kind of choices to be made. So my entire career has been focused on helping people eagerly seek a bigger map. I believe people are capable of having a lot of self-determination and that many spots in our industrialized world have stripped them from that, not just the ability to do it, but their belief that they can do it. So I'm cheering you on, but I'm reminding you that, yeah, it's stressful. 
Hey, Seth, it's Russell from Colorado, Alt-MBA40. Um, my question today is about the Monarchists podcast. One of the things that I've noticed in my world is that I believe that humans have a very limited capacity for democracy. So while I really, really, really believe in democracy, um, there's sometimes when it isn't effective. So, for example, we've all been in those staff meetings where the boss allows the group to try to decide and discuss and come to a consensus over where to put the couch or something that isn't really necessary. Um, and everybody just gets tired and frustrated and it takes a lot of time to sort through that. On the other hand, there's a lot of issues that we really do need to discuss and come to consensus to whether that's um, how diverse employees are treated in the workplace or how we are going to be as a people. So my question is, where do we draw the line? I mean, in our country, we have representative democracy. So we elect representatives so that they make decisions for us. Um, but more specifically, in the workplace or in our relationships, how do we decide when to engage that limited energy that we have for democracy? Um, and when do you think it's best just to to use your analogy, say, hey, you're the bus driver. I'm going to defer this responsibility to you. Thank you, Russell. It's worth noting that democracy with a capital D, the organized voting for political decisions, is different than democracy with the little d, which is the group deciding what the group is going to do. But in both cases, there is very, very little actual, straight-up, Greek-style democracy in our lives it is way more likely we defer to other people or that we speak up maybe more than we should on issues that probably don't matter that much, that people are way more likely to want to argue about a logo design than they are to want to take responsibility for which city to move the office to. Why? Well, when it comes to logo design, everyone's an expert because everyone has looked at logos. When it comes to taking responsibility, for where everyone in the office should move, well, that's a lot of responsibility to handle. So my point about democracy begins with, democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. I think Winston Churchill said that, but I'm not certain. And what it means is that there are other ways that groups can make decisions, but they don't usually end well. And that one of the advantages of having a system in place that allows groups of people to speak up is that it is a steam release valve, that it lets a system of government catch its breath and shift gears and go in the other direction with not nearly as much trauma as if we have to wait until something dramatic happens. And so I don't believe humans have a limited ability for democracy. I believe we have been brainwashed into a certain form of leadership adherence or management adherence, to be more accurate. And I also believe that there are real penalties for taking responsibility. And most people don't want to take responsibility most of the time. And what we need in small groups and large are people who are going to say, this is on my watch. Here, I made this. Who are going to own the outcome and then do something with what they learn. This is why computers, civil engineering, 
electrical engineering, and parts of medicine have advanced so much in the last hundred years because there's a feedback loop. There's data. It's not just, well, that's my opinion because this is about more than opinions. It's about what works. And as we go forward, figuring out how to give people the benefit of the doubt, the dignity to speak up, the chance to lead enables us to realize that all of us are smarter than any of us and that what we need are systems that are resilient in the face of change because change is everywhere. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your questions. We'll see you next time. I just don't think it's possible or probable in in today's world to distinguish yourself as an educational institution or as a success seeker at the level of, of information gathering or information distribution. I mean, this is the information age and you can get a great book, a great essay, a great idea anywhere, you know, and none of us can do that better than the internet, right? Um, there is no great thought leader who can outthink the internet. Like we have data. What all MBA gets right is it puts you in a context where you're part of a community that says, yeah, 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 that's good. You got access to ideas, you got access to information. That's awesome. but When are you going to show up? When are you going to face that blank page? When are you going to face the possibilities within you? When are you going to face those fears? I'm not going to let you hide. You got to show up. And that's the hardest part. And it sounds simple. It sounds very commonsensical. But it's the number one reason why we don't write that book. It's the number one reason why we don't ask that question. It's not because we don't know or we don't have the information. We don't have an environment and we don't have a support network that makes it feel like showing up is possible for me. Not just possible for the success stories I see out there, but I can show up. Consider the Alt-MBA. More than 3,000 alumni in 74 countries around the world. Find out more at altmba.com.